Welcome to the next edition of Bikes, Burpees, and Backhands, sponsored by Bike Friendly Atlanta. A few topics of discussion this week will be, number one, recap of the Beaufort City Park Tennis Tournament last weekend. Topic number two, we're going to go over how does a player convincingly win the first set of a match, and then, whether it be physical or mental, find it harder or maybe the momentum swings and they let the opposing player back in. And topic number three will be how often should you play a tournament? These are our hot topics this week on Bikes, Burpees, and Backhands. Thousands of other podcasts out there. We thank you for joining in here. We'll be right back to start our conversation. Welcome back. This is Dave Matthews again. Going to head into the recap of the Beaufort City Park tennis tournament that happened last weekend. We had uh, three of our players here at the Beaufort City Park High Performance Academy uh, do very well uh, in the boys' 16s division. Mr. Ryan Huffman uh, won the boys' 16s division singles, uh, played some good mental and worked through some good struggles that we all have had from time to time. Uh, Miss Taylor Acock. Uh, Got in a round robin, and in her last match, which was basically four, uh, first and second place, played very uh, physical tennis, and at the same time, went through some mental struggles that we all do, um, but wound up winning first place. And lastly, Mr. Seth Davison played in the boys' 12s division and played uh, several, uh, one of the, I believe, two draws that were, uh, I think, eight or more players in it but uh, had very good tournament uh, play, moved in when he got weak opportunities, and is showing great promise uh, as an up-and-coming player. Uh, many congratulations to all these players. If you have any questions about uh, Buford City Tennis, you can email Jane Hunter at bcptennis at aol.com to get more information. We hope to see you there soon. We'll be right back to start with our, one of our main topics of conversation. All right, welcome back. Moving on to the first hot topic. How does a player win a first set pretty convincingly, 6-2, 6-1, and all of a sudden can't find the mustard to put the pedal down mentally or physically, and between those two things and what's between the ears, can't complete the task in a convincing fashion. We're going to open up the uh, panel here to, uh, we have about uh, seven of our players here at the, at the uh, Buford City Park High Performance Academy and see if they've got anything that they want to add. Um, anybody here got anything they want to say? Okay. I feel like whenever you finish a set that the other the opponent has time to reset and in especially high school tennis they can get some coaching from their coach that can kind of help them get back into the match and change something up and sometimes you don't expect that and that can just mess with your head a little bit affect your mental game and that can translate over to your physical game when trying to put points together and once you start doing bad or not even doing bad, they're just doing good, then 
it becomes a tidal wave and sometimes it's really hard to get back from. That's a very good point. Um, anybody else immediately got something they want to add? Yes, sir? Yeah, this happened to me in my second match of the tournament. Uh, I played this guy. He was, I guess, the number one seed. And I, I easily won that first set, 6-1. to one. Uh, It was a good set. I, I was doing, feeling good. I was playing pretty good. Then I uh, got to that second set, started off, gave him a couple games, um, which I felt like I definitely could have won. I, it was good, close, close games, but um, I started. Then I started to come back, and I finally got to a point where it was six or no, five to four, forty fifteen, and um, I found myself. I gave up the game, and it went to a tiebreaker, uh, seven six, or it was seven to seven to two was a tiebreaker, and I won the uh, set seven to six, but. I feel like it's hard to keep yourself focused, especially after winning that first first set, six to one or six zero. Uh, I think you need to you need to try to find little milestones, like little. Uh, you just had a great serve. Well, tell yourself good serve, and make sure you try to keep focused on that next point, and uh, try to close it out if you can. Anybody else who want to add something? Okay. It's really mentally hard to be able to, like, if you win the first set pretty decisively, just to be able to keep doing the same things over and over and over again without, like, trying to get too good or, like, trying to do something, and you end up making a lot of errors because, like, those mistakes give the other player, like, a lot of momentum, and that can turn around, like, very quickly. Those are all good points. Anybody else? No? Uh, I'll just add a few, uh, a few years of experience there. Um, those are right on task. Those are right on point with what happens. The, the biggest key is that at switchovers, changeovers, especially now since you're taking a break after the first set is over and you're given that two-minute intermission, um, that is where you need to take stock and inventory of what you're doing well, what your opponent is doing well. Obviously, if you won the first set pretty decisively, you're doing something a little bit better than they are. Somewhere, somehow, you're putting together points in a more constructive fashion to make good things happen on the scoreboard, and they're not. What are they going to have to do to turn that around and expect that? Whether that, maybe if you're going to the net, maybe they start lobbing you a little more. Maybe you're on the baseline. Maybe they start bringing you in a little more. It doesn't mean they're going to go you know, all in on doing all that. They maybe try a few, uh, try it a few times. But at the same time, you have to realize that if you're doing the more things right, they're depending on you to make a few more errors to let them back in. They can't get back in unless you give them the errors to help them. And that is, you don't go into a tentative state. You go into a, if, you know, like, James here's serving volley in or coming in a lot. You just got to go in and make sure your volleys are hitting the court. You don't need to get better. You just want to set 6-2 or 6-1. You need to be the same and actually tighten your belt on unforced errors. If they hit a great shot, which you know they're going to go for some, some big shots a little more often because they, they're, they're at the end of their, their straw. They're drawing. They're grabbing, trying to find something. If you can get that racket out there and expect to really make a lunge volley or two early in that Early in that second set, you sneak those games out, you're up 2-1 or 3-1, it's a whole big different story than going down 4-1 or something. And I have found that if I tighten my belt, you know, if I look across the net and literally say to my opponent without saying a word out loud, 
you think I gave you some points along the way the first set? Wait till you see what happens in this set. And I get motivated to do nothing more than move my feet better and cleaner and hit the ball in the court more so that I don't give away those points that they need to, to have a chance to come back. Easier said than done, absolutely. But that's what the mentality I get in is, you think I gave you some points the first set, wait till you see the end of this one, this one happen. I'm tightening this belt so tight, you're going to feel like you're suffocating. But I'm going to keep doing the same thing, but I know what you got to try to get me off my, my keel, off my rhythm. That makes sense. If I'm serving good, I'm still going to try and serve not quite as big, but I'm going to back it up with good volleys or good ground strokes. Make sure every one of my returns plays unless you hit aces, and that's fine. I can play from there. That makes sense? Anybody else got anything you want to add? All right. We're going to let that one slide and come right back in a few seconds, and we're going to talk about um, how many tournaments should you be playing. Be right back. All right. Back to the uh, last topic of discussion today. What and how many tournaments should you play? And I hope the idea is, you know, to stay engaged. Uh, you know, you, you don't really realize until you've taken a little time off. And we all have done that with COVID a year ago. We took off a couple of solid months and then finally started back up in you know, May, June, I think tournament started in June or July, somewhere, I don't know, somewhere in there, August maybe. So we all took off three, four months, and you didn't realize it until you got back out there. Even if you played a couple of matches that week, the first weekend, you know, you might have woke up on Sunday, Monday morning and felt like you got hit by the broad side of a barn because the intensity, um, you know, in practice sometimes is not as high as it is in a tournament. That's just adrenaline. That old adre- big A word, adrenaline. So how many tournaments does a player think they need to play on a consistent basis to maintain status quo, to maintain that energy level that, you know, you want to know whether you're getting better. If I'm, you know, if I'm making a lot of unforced errors on my backhand, I want to know that two months from now my backhand is getting a little more solid. But I don't know that in practice because you don't get feedback in practice like winning and losing. You know, that's, that's feedback that's cold and hard. So open up the panel. What do you think? Anybody got anything you want to say? Hey? All right. So I find it hard for at least me sometimes uh, just to find, or find a, a good amount of time to uh, play, play matches just because I do work and, uh, you know, of course, school and a bunch of other stuff. But... I try, I'm trying to start to get back into it. I took a long time, kind of a long time off from playing tournaments and stuff. But uh, I try to, I'm going to try to keep playing at least once a month, do a tournament every month. Um, I, wouldn't, I think probably best would be maybe every two to three weeks. Uh, I, I think a little too much would be every week because you, you start to uh, strain your body and you, your body needs some time to recover. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes a little bit of sense. Anybody else? Yeah? I think you have to also take into account like don't be afraid to like play down to what you think your level should be because there's also that ego side of it and like he said he's getting back into it if you're getting back into it like you don't have to worry about like needing to play where you were the last time you played tournaments like you can always ease into it absolutely that that's a very valid point i 
think like two is a really good number because it's like you know maybe every other weekend or something because you know you plan a tournament and then you have a weekend off just to kind of like reinforce what you worked on practice that week and just keep doing like what you need to work on and so you don't lose like the stamina that you get like to play the tournaments and keep playing at that level but also maybe it depends on what tournaments are available because if you have like three good tournaments in a row like you know that like for me I do that sometimes I just like go three hard weekends but then you maybe take like one or two weeks off just to, like give your body a break and just keep doing that so I think it depends on really the schedule yeah that makes sense I think it depends on what your goals are because if you're not planning on playing college tennis, then maybe you don't need to play as many tournaments as you think you do. And maybe if you just wanna play high school tennis and if you just wanna do it for fun, then like I said before, you don't have to play as many tournaments. But if you do wanna get into say a D1 school, D2 school, you're gonna to have to really play a lot of tournaments. You're gonna really have to push yourself to get up to that level, and that does involve playing lots of tournaments and pushing yourself. Very valid point. You know, depends on your goals and where you're planning on heading. You know, in, in life and uh, toward your, uh, you know, your major of study and stuff to the schools and stuff like that. That's always a valid point. Anybody else? No. Yeah. And also trying to find these tournaments, um, especially finding the ones like the level you want to play at, but you don't want to have to travel. 100 miles to go play that tournament, have to stay in a hotel, um, just trying to find something close, especially for me, because I don't know, there could be a day where my boss needs me to come into work and I have to leave the tournament or something. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, work, school, all that, uh, family time, all that does play a role. I mean, I heard um, one of my former juniors, and I, I will call his name uh, John Williams, uh, one of his pilot friends, um, happened to tell him that his son got into competitive tennis. And John looked at him and he goes, are you serious? And he goes, yeah, he's, he's you know, getting pretty high ranked and da, 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 you know, on and on and on. And John says, good, then you might as well just go ahead and kiss all your weekends goodbye. And, and the man was like, what are you talking about? He goes, I'm going to tell you exactly what it is to be number one player in Georgia. I can tell you how much you need to play. He, John used to play an average of probably three solid weeks you know, out of the month, and he would take off four to five days in a row after those three solid weeks. He trained every day, uh, didn't hit balls every day, but when he didn't hit tennis balls, he was at the Brookwood High School football field doing sprints with parachutes and things like that for usually a couple of hours because his physical training was just as important as his on-court training. And this guy came back from literally, you know, nothing and basically walked away from tennis, but you know, his senior year wound up in about six months winning the state's biggest junior tournament, wound up always going all the way back to number 80 in the country in the boys' 18 division. Got into Kalamazoo, which is, the, you know, the nation's biggest junior tournament uh, in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And, yes, it involved a lot of travel. I mean, he we were first tournament he played out of the gate was uh, Augusta, and that's two hours away, and didn't do real well, but knew what he was looking to do, knew his goals and where he was going. And, you know, we played a guy, one of the guys on there, like second or third round and lost to him like two and three or something. And I said, well, how do you think you play? He says, oh, that's okay. I'll, I'll beat that guy later on. I'll see him again and I'll beat him. And he wound up beating him 6-1, 6-1 in the national clay courts up in Louisville in, in the summer. But he knew what his, game, what his game could do. 
He just knew that it was going to be a long road to get there and that he wasn't in a hurry. And we agreed when he first came back that, you know, the amount of tournaments did have a big bearing on his coming back and getting his game back together because that's where you, you learn, you know, what your holes are and what you've got to work to do to cover them up and, and get them better too. That's all part of it. I mean, to me, playing tournaments is like taking tests. How often do you take tests in school? Quite a bit. Well, guess what? Tournament players love to be tested. They want somebody that's going to knock them off that, that pedestal. Does that make sense? So, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, playing tournament-wise, yeah, I think, you know, sometimes two a month uh, is a, a pretty good average number somewhere in that ballpark. You might go one month where you had one, and it might have been a bigger tournament. So you had, you know, three or four or five matches in that weekend or that three-day period or whatever. And then the next month you may play two. So it averages out to be one and a half or two, something like that. But, you know, if you're playing high school tennis, that's going to take some of your time during the high school season. So you've got to weigh that in there too. Not overkill yourself too because burnout is always a possibility, always. So, yes, you do need to let your body recuperate. We know how people love to ice down their bodies and do ice baths. They don't. But that's all up to you, you know. It's funny how everybody thinks professional athletes have this luxurious life, but in reality, it's nothing but, you know, kill your body for what you're doing, you know, whatever sport it is, and then rehabbing it, and then re-killing it again, and rehabbing it, because you're pushing the envelope every, every avenue that you can. Otherwise, you're losing. And that's, that's, that's their choice. So that's understandable, you know. But if that's not like, like Alicia said, if that's not something you – wanted to do, then that's not, that's not bad either. That's being realistic with what you're expecting out of it and what you want out of it. There's nothing wrong with that. Anybody else got anything you want to add? This has been a very good session. Uh, I'm very pleased with it. And uh, I hope everybody out there in uh, Anchorland will tune in again, maybe in a couple of weeks or a month or so, we'll have another session and see what we can answer for some of you out there. If you have any comments you can leave us a voicemail on, on our Anchor app, and uh, hopefully you will. And some good topics, send me some, some ideas. Maybe I'll have some of you on there. Last but not least, I do want to give a shout-out to Atlanta Courier Collective. Uh, my boys down there in downtown Atlanta struggling to uh, make ends meet as this COVID thing is hitting everybody hard. Hopefully they'll get some more business coming in. And, um, you know, I'm sure the emails and stuff are not helping, but uh, hopefully they'll, they'll get back on their feet too. Hope everybody stays safe out there. Hopefully we can get this COVID thing behind us. We are all sitting here in this big room about, you know, four or five feet apart. And some of us have masks on. So we're doing as best we can to get this anchor to you. Hope you enjoyed it. Please leave us some comments. This is your host, Dave Matthews, signing out. I appreciate it. Have a good day.